Great, thank you very much, and good evening, everyone. Oh, There's quite a little crowd in the corner over there. <laughs> so we're picking up on the Holy Math series that we've been following um, this autumn, looking at 2 Peter 1, but I thought we'd just diverge a little bit tonight, uh, and instead of just look at that passage, we'd look at a passage that exemplifies the, the word perseverance that we're going to come to. For those of you who've um, not been with us on the journey through this series, uh, Peter writes in 2 Peter 1 that if we possess certain qualities in increasing measure in addition to our faith, these qualities will keep us from being ineffective and unproductive in our knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And there they are, we're working through them one by one. So today uh, we come to perseverance. And also, if you've been here since the start of the series, you, you'll know that Ellen set in motion the practice of telling a Bible math joke for each one in the series. And we're glad she did that, aren't we? <laughs> yes, we are. Yes, we are. And if you were here a fortnight ago, you may remember that I told not one, not even two, but three math jokes. So I feel I'm in credit, don't you? But I know some of you would be disappointed if I didn't tell another one. So here we go. It's about the time Jesus said to, said to his disciples, the kingdom of heaven is like Y equals A times X minus H squared plus K. Because Jesus often spoke in parabolas. Some of you thinking, where's the humor in that? Never mind, never mind. That is the risk of using geometry humour in a talk. You keep going off on a tangent. And, oh, that was, oh, was better, better. <laughs> I'm going to stop, stop there, I think. So, anyway, today's theme of perseverance translates the Greek word hupomone, which implies things like persistence and tenacity and endurance and stamina and stickability and determination resolve, staying power, and patience. Jesus, talking about the signs of the end of the age, said to his disciples in Luke 21, you will be betrayed even by parents, brothers and sisters, relatives and friends, and they will put some of you to death. Everyone will hate you because of me, but not a hair of your head will perish. Stand firm and you will win life. So Jesus is painting a bleak picture of trouble for his followers. But he encourages them by saying, stand firm and you will win life. Or literally, what he says is, by your endurance, by your hupomone, you will gain your lives. And what we're going to do is look at this story of Hannah, from uh, 1 Samuel 1. You may find it helpful if you have a Bible in front of you or with you to turn to that, because we're going to be referencing different verses as we go along. It's page 271 in the Church Bible. Hannah is an example of someone who demonstrated perseverance in the face of trouble. 
And the source of Hannah's troubles is presented to us in verse 5 of 1 Samuel 1. The Lord had closed her womb, which for some of us might be problematic. So there are all sorts of medical reasons why Hannah couldn't conceive. How did the author know that this was from the Lord and not a thyroid problem, for example? The phrase might trouble us for theological reasons. How did the author know that this was from the Lord and not from the enemy? We don't know. Paul says in Romans 11 that from God are all things. His judgments unsearchable and his paths beyond tracing out. So in one sense, the answer is academic. Whether this condition was sent from God or permitted by God through natural means or through spiritual attack, in looking back on the story after the events had unfolded, the author ultimately saw God at work. And I think that is so often the case, isn't it? If you're going through a tough time, it can be really hard to see what God is up to. Even sometimes when you've gone through a difficult time, looking back, it can be difficult to understand what God was doing. But sometimes we can. Sometimes we can look back and say, God was at work. But not only was God at work, so was Peninnah, the second wife. We read verse 6 that she kept provoking Hannah in order to irritate her. Year after year, Penina kept jibing, mocking, taunting, sneering, until Hannah broke down in tears. And the husband, Elkanah, seems to me to have unintentionally added fuel to the fire. So in his kindness to Hannah, by giving her a double portion of the meat that was to be presented for sacrifice, he must surely have stoked Penina's jealousy, resulting in further torment to Hannah. And even in comforting Hannah, I can't shake the conviction that his well-intentioned words of support fell short of the mark. Don't I mean more to you than ten sons, he says, which is an admirable appeal to logic. But when you're hurting, rational arguments don't really help that much. And so it was that Hannah lived with the pain of a closed womb, a spiteful rival and a sympathetic and kind, but not always helpful husband. Year after year is a phrase that occurs twice in this passage in verse 3 and verse 7. And the level of pain that she endured year after year is underlined by the adjectives that are just piled on top of each other in a relatively short passage. Downhearted, in deep anguish, weeping bitterly, deeply troubled, Misery, great anguish, grief. 
year after year. Why? What had she done to deserve this? Well, as far as we can tell, nothing. This is the mystery of suffering, which the psalmist and others wrestle with, particularly in the Old Testament. So as an example, Psalm 44. You have rejected and humbled us. You no longer go out with our armies. You made us retreat before the enemy and our adversaries have plundered us. You gave us up to be devoured like sheep and have scattered us among the nations. You sold your people for a pittance, gaining nothing from their sale. You've made us a reproach to our neighbours, the scorn and derision of those around us. You've made us a byword among the nations. The people shake their heads at us. I live in disgrace all day long, and my face is covered with shame at the taunts of those who reproach and revile me because of the enemy who's bent on revenge. All this came upon us, though we had not forgotten you. We had not been false to your covenants. Our hearts had not turned back. Our feet had not strayed from your path. But you crushed us. One author has written, we are in some sense better off not having satisfying answers to vexing intellectual questions about why suffering, evil and pain exist in the world. If we can say, oh, there's a clear reason for this, we can remain aloof, safe in the cool and lofty realm of impersonal logic in relation to human suffering. We can explain instead of empathise, theorise instead of pray, and answer instead of act. But in the absence of a satisfying logical explanation for human suffering, we must descend from our brains into our hearts and respond to the suffering of others with tears and action, not just words and more words. And that's what Hannah does, but she does it for herself. She descends from her brain into her heart and prays with tears. And just as an aside, did you know that your tears is a type of prayer that God listens to? So in Psalm 6-8, David writes, The Lord has heard my weeping. The Lord hears your tears. Your tears go up to him as a prayer. Tears can be prayers. But to her tears, Hannah adds words. In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. And she made a vow saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me. She prays to the Lord Almighty the Yahweh of hosts, believing that the cosmic ruler, the sovereign of every and all power, would be moved by the broken heart of a relatively obscure woman in the hill country of Ephraim. She believes that the Lord Almighty, the God who's seen the misery of his people in Egypt and heard them crying out, could see her personal misery and hear her prayer. 
If you will not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life, and no razor will ever be used on his head. So was this time, was this the first time that she'd made such a promise to the Lord? Well, possibly. Was this the first time she had prayed about this issue? Surely not. Surely in her years and years of being on the receiving end of disappointment and malice, surely time and again she had cried out to God for help. And that's what perseverance is. It's keeping going, sticking at it, keeping going, even when it's really hard, especially when it's really hard. When William Carey, who founded the Baptist Missionary Society, landed in India in 1793, he encountered a catalogue of problems. He was refused help by the British traders. He lost several children to tropical disease. His wife became mentally ill, and he failed to see a single convert for the first seven years. But he was determined to do what he believed the Lord had commanded him to do. And he was convinced that if he persevered, he would see a harvest in India. He later reflected that if anyone should think it worth his while to write my life, if he give me credit for being a plodder, he will describe me justly. I can plod. I can persevere. Few people know what may be done till they try and persevere in what they have undertaken. And sure enough, in 1800, he saw his first convert, and then the floodgates just opened. And by the time he died, it's estimated there were half a million believers in the region, many of whom oversaw the 60 mission stations that he had founded. William Carey, seven years of heartache and perseverance, but finally reward. Hannah, year after year of distress and heartache and perseverance, but finally reward. The end of her troubles. Now, it didn't have a promising start. It began with a rebuke, actually, a misinterpretation of her distress. Verse 14, put away your wine. She explained why she was in such a state, and then came a blessing. Verse 17, go in peace. May the God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him. From the blessing followed relief, verse 18, at least for a time. Then she went her way and ate something, and her face was no longer downcast. And finally, it culminated in verse 20 in reward. In the course of time, Hannah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. And what a man he turned out to be. But that is another story. The point is that Hannah persevered through this valley of distress, but finally, at the end of that valley, received the reward for her patience, a son. And we have our own valleys to go through, don't we? Some valleys are shorter, 
Some valleys are for a season. I say shorter rather than short. They can still be exceedingly long. Hannah's was long, year after year. But at the end of her valley, Hannah joined this very special club, membership of which would include Sarai, Abraham's wife, Rebecca, Isaac's wife, Manoah's wife, we don't know her name, and later on Elizabeth, Zachariah's wife. All of these women were at one stage unable to bear children, but from all of them would come heroes of the faith. Isaac, Esau and Jacob, Samson, John the Baptist. So Hannah didn't know this in the time of her distress. She didn't know she was going to join this club of the women who were childless, but eventually gave birth to key figures in Israel's history. Maybe you are going through a valley at this particular point in your life. It could be poor health, it could be relational, it could be financial. Maybe this winter is going to be a difficult valley for you. There's practical help to draw on that Ellen's mentioned earlier this evening. But in addition to that practical help, what Peter would encourage us to do is to add to our faith perseverance. Because God is not unaware of our problems. He listened to Hannah and he will listen to us. But in addition to these shorter valleys that we have to pass through, these seasons of difficulty that all of us come across at one point or another, there is the longer valley of life itself. And that is primarily what Peter is thinking about when he tells his readers in 2 Peter 1 to add to their faith perseverance. So he says in verses 10 and 11, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, those things being adding to your faith, things like perseverance, you will never stumble and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. So Peter has the end in mind here. James writes something similar. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Writer to the Hebrews, echoing the same sentiment. You need to persevere so that when you've done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. So all of these writers had the same idea in mind, that we have to keep going through the trials and through the difficulties of life so that we can receive at the end what is promised to those who persevere, this rich welcome, this crown of life. These writers are urging us to stay faithful to God, to keep going however difficult things are. Now, the first century Christians to whom Peter was writing and others were writing, they were facing severe persecution of themselves and of their loved ones. Our brothers and sisters in other parts of the world face similar persecution today. They, too, are called to persevere. 
We don't face that kind of persecution in our country. But we have other trials, don't we? Other valleys that we have to walk through. Lifelong health conditions, for example. The loss of loved ones. Images of war-torn countries. Starving communities. Concerns about children and other family members. Anxiety about our planet and its future. And year after year, we might find ourselves weeping and saying, along with Hannah, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery. But while we weep, we must also persevere. We must hope and believe that our weeping is not in vain and that in due course we too will receive what has been promised this rich welcome into the eternal kingdom this crown of life weeping may stay for the night the psalmist writes but rejoicing comes in the morning with the perspective of eternity our troubles are to use Paul's words light and momentary, in the perspective of eternity. In Paul's words, our troubles are light and momentary. But he says if we persevere, they are achieving for us an eternal glory. So in faith and trusting in the grace and power of God, we need to learn to persevere, to keep going, to stick at it. God will stick at it with us. He will persevere with us. He will never let us go. So with his help, let's commit to not giving up on him either. Let's commit to persevering. Let's learn to persevere. This whole series in 2 Peter is about learning to add to our faith these qualities. So let's learn to add to the faith that we have perseverance. Let's stick with it because God is going to stick with us. Let's bow our heads in prayer, shall we? So first of all, I want you to Perhaps pray for yourself if you are in this situation of going through a valley of distress. Maybe like Hannah, it's year after year. There's no end in sight. <coughs> Maybe like Hannah, you've poured out your tears, you've poured out your prayers to God. Take courage from this section of God's word, that he hears your prayers. Take courage that he will not give up on you. Or maybe you're thinking of someone else, perhaps it's a member of the family or a close friend who's really struggling at the moment going through a really dark time. Then lift them up to the Lord. 
and pray that they will receive the grace that they need to persevere, to keep on going. That they will have that hope in their hearts that God will not let them go. That one day there is a crown waiting for them. That one day there is a rich welcome waiting for them. And Lord, for all of us, whether we're in that place, whether we're thinking of others or not, um, surely all of us will at times enter valleys when we need to persevere. Lord, we pray that when that time comes, you will give us the grace and the courage that we need to keep saying yes to you in faith and hope. In Jesus' name, amen.